So I basically just read your bio and then we jump right into it. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. And we'll just let it go. All right. And we'll talk for <laughs> okay. about 30, 35, 40 minutes. Is that okay? Okay. That sounds okay. good. Great. Got nothing okay. else to do. Great. Oh, I should really check and see which season this is so that I am telling people the appropriate <laughs> season. Season seven. Wow. Kind of random. We just make up seasons. I, it's just, <laughs> we just make them up. I, seriously, Rob's like, do you want to be done with this season? I'm like, I, I do. I do. Let's just be Sounds done. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah. Friends and neighbors, welcome back to another season of the Content Strategy Podcast. It's me, Christina. This is season seven, if you can believe it. So many seasons, so many lovely interviews, so many smart people, and there are so many additional smart people ahead in this uh, months, years, season. I don't even know. I was. I have to admit to you, we just kind of make up the seasons. Like I just. We're like, is it 10? Are there 10 episodes? Great. Is there nine? Uh, I don't have time to record at 10th. Anyway, we have decided that this is season seven starting now. And you and I are both extraordinarily lucky because our guest today is truly, and I know I am often like over the top talking about how extraordinary the, my guests are and how smart they are. And how much they delight me. And it's true. I'm not just like, I wouldn't invite them on if I didn't think this. However, let me tell you that there is a very special place in my heart and in my world for today's guest. And it is Carrie Myla. And I'm going to introduce you to her. Carrie Myla leads the content design team at LinkedIn. She's been in the user experience space for more than 20 years, focusing on creating and organizing good, relevant content that uses human words for human people. Lately, she's been spending her professional time exploring how to best demonstrate the value of content design and what it means to be a leader. In her non-professional time, she can be found hanging out with her husband and bald Pomeranian in Santa Cruz, California, trying her best to figure out how to sneak roller skates into Disneyland. Carrie, welcome to the Content Hi. Strategy Podcast. Hi, Christina. It's so wonderful to be here. Finally. Finally. So dumb that you haven't been here before it's seriously every once in a while I'm just like oh I talk to this person all the time and yet somehow it's never occurred to me record our conversation so here we are that's fine <laughs> recording yeah. recording today's conversation um I think I have said this several times but the entire reason I started this podcast is that I was meeting so many incredibly interesting smart people uh who also cracked me up and I was like Everybody should be able to hear this conversation. So how lucky that everybody's going to be able to listen to this one. So lucky. Um, Carrie, I so lucky. Uh, although, I don't know, by the by the end of the podcast, they yeah, might let's, be like, let's, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm good. sure lucky is the word I would have used. Let's revisit that. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Carrie, I always start off the podcast by asking my guests to share a little bit with our listening audience about their journey through the world of content strategy and in your case, content design uh, to where you are now. So I wonder if you could tell us about your winding yellow brick road. Oh my goodness. All right. So buckle up, buttercup. We're going to go way back. Yeah. So I was getting my, my English degree at the college I was going to, like not really knowing what I was going to do with it. 
like, hey, I, I like writing, so let's let's do that. And I was working at an office at the college at the time. Um, that's how I earned my degree, by working at the college. And I double-clicked on the, I think it was the uh, Netscape icon on the work computer. And I'm like, hey, what's what's this? This is super interesting. And that's how I kind of discovered the the World Wide Web and how you could do things to get on it. And so from from then on, I kind of figured that that might be a, a path for me. So, you know, I taught myself Photoshop and HTML and ultimately became a web designer at a time where you just needed a little bit of talent to do that because everybody needed it. And there, there were a few of us and I had a little bit of talent. So I, I made that work as a career for a while. But as I moved on through my career, I found that, first of all, there were, you know, much better designers than I was. And because I was a writer, kind of by default, people would kept asking me to actually write the code. Like, hey, you're a writer. We need words for this homepage or whatever. Could you just, you know, kind of whip some of that up for us? So I was doing that. And then at the same time, you know, because I was self-taught and a lot of this technology, I found I was really good at, you know, collecting complicated information and explaining it in a way that people that weren't a part of whatever I was explaining could understand it. So I became like a client liaison. And then I discovered information architecture. I'm like, well, it's really important that I know how to organize this information. So I started doing that. And then I realized that what I was really good at was creating and organizing content. So I'm like, there's got to be a job that does this, right? So I think it was 2006, 2000, must have been 2007. I decided I'm going to do that for, for a living. And I was looking for something called a content manager, because that was kind of the terminology that was going around at the time. And this job popped up on eBay, and it was called a content strategist. And they wanted somebody with an English degree. They wanted somebody that, you know, worked in the web space. They wanted somebody ideally with information architecture experience and um, client liaison experience. Um, And I read that and I went, oh, there's, there's a term for this. It's called a content strategist. That's, that's what I am. So I applied to that job. And if I remember correctly, like they offered me the job the same day. I was like, here you go. And and that's kind of how that got kicked off. I've been in that space, you know, in the content space since 2007. And now I'm, I'm at LinkedIn. I moved from uh, an IC role, independent contributor role to a management leadership role. And I lead a team of content designers at LinkedIn. Or you literally just skipped over six years of your career. I, I like literally, you can't did. you can't go from 2007 to 2020. Sure, Look, I just did. No. Look, I just did. No. I mean, okay. you know, I, I mean, I can backtrack if you want, but like go over. I did, you know, I was a consultant for several years. That's super fun. I worked for a financial institution. Um, if you want a, if you want to organize content, complicated content, the financial space is is great for that. You learn a lot about about finances. But yeah, I mean, I just kind of went to where I thought the work was interesting, where I thought there were interesting problems to solve, you know, and I and ideally where the where the people were good. So talk to me about your last gig and how mm-hmm. that translated or or what the transition was like between that and coming to work for LinkedIn. Because you were the you were the first content 
design nerd. Like you, you were there to like build the practice. Yeah. LinkedIn, right. That's, that's exactly right. Yeah. So what that looks like, and I mean, I, I can go a little bit into that history. They, they did a couple of, of reorgs and they, um, they moved content creation under marketing. So product writing went under marketing and they, they figured out, you know, pretty quickly that that wasn't quite working in the way that they had hoped. So they brought me in specifically to start a, a practice for, for content design. We were called UX writing at the time. So, you know, it's really interesting coming into a very established company as the first, because at the time, I think there were, I think there were like 18,000 people working for LinkedIn. And I was the, the only person designated as a, as a UX writer. So for the first year or so, my goal was to talk to as many people as possible to learn as much about the product as possible and to touch as many experiences as, as possible. So I was spread thin to say the least. It was a lot of, it was a lot of office hour type situations where I will, it's a little bait and switch, little bait and switch. They'd come in. It's like, Hey, I have this line of content for you. I'm like, that's great. But have you considered like reorganizing the way this whole experience looks? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, so I, I did, a, I did a lot of that, um, and, you know, had, had a lot of success in that. And because, you know, it's, it's really about getting in front of the right people that can help advocate for you and to see what it looks like when a content design point of view comes into the experience because, you know, what they were expecting was me to change a couple of words around. And what they got was all of this experience coming in to say, hey, it's it's really not the words here that are that are making this this experience a little clunky. Let's go back and, and take a look at, you know, everything that came before and what we're trying to get them to do, you know, what the user wants to do and what they are looking to do. And let's create experience that way. And oh, by the way, here are some words to make that better. So I am a, a thing that we have sort of tackled over the last several years of this podcast is kind of trying to parse the language of content professions. So content mm. marketing, content strategy, content yeah. what does it all yeah. mean? And, <laughs> yeah. and when we launch this podcast, this, we are also going to have launched our new website for brain traffic, uh-huh. where we offer specifically website content strategy and enterprise content strategy. So we don't even yeah. offer content design services. Yeah. But a thing that has sort of evolved for us and for me, as I, as I continue with the podcast and helping program these conferences, uh, you know, Confab formally, and then Button coming up and working with all of these clients is that it's become pretty clear to me that there are, you know, content, still not our best favorite word, but mm-hmm. that enterprise content strategy is where we're really working to sort of, whether or not it's centralized operations, at least come up with sort of shared principles, shared structure, shared process, shared role, understanding and definition so that content can kind of become organized and synchronized and purposeful and blah, 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 across an organization. Website content strategy 
I really started talking about as a lot, you know, a lot of, of um, I mean, I know I don't get to content design, but where it's really focused specifically on the information that is appearing on the website, where right. it's appearing, right. how it's organized, yeah. how you yeah. can browse through it, who it's targeting, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And that's just a different, it's a related skill set, but it's a different yeah. daily set of activities. Yeah. And then we come around to content design, which, you know, from the minute Facebook launched, from the minute any software as a service <laughs> launched online. Yeah. UX writing content design was really a thing because what what we've seen is that it's really product companies that have rallied around that title because content designers and UX writers are really working so actively and so closely on feature and experience design with designers and engineers. And yet I'm also starting to see more like, hey, content designers, we should really be talking about information architecture, for example. So can you talk to me a little bit about how, because we discussed how, you know, you have in the, in the past, and I mean, before we really, you know, before 2009, we weren't talking so much about apps and mobile experiences and even LinkedIn wasn't even a thing until what, 2006, <laughs> 2007. Can you talk to me a little bit about how you feel like your skill set and the way that you have viewed your role first as an IC, as an independent contributor, yeah. has evolved since sort of the what should go on this hard hard coded HTML page? Oh gosh. Yeah. I mean, we we can talk a lot about the the terminology and I can I can kind of describe how I I see these terms fitting together and, and this should no way be taken as definitive but just when when I think about the term content strategy now as opposed to like in 2007 when we were talking about content strategy it was very much um, the way I, I kind of shorthanded it was it is the act of thinking about the content and where it should go before it shows up in front of the user's face I mean, really, really, that was it. Rather than the idea of filling in boxes after the design was created. So that was kind of our rallying cry back then. So that's what I think of the content strategy. Now, when I think of when I think of content strategy, I, I think of it more as this entire ecosystem. And I know and I know you just mentioned that the word content itself is a little bit, you know, not problematic, but not accurate. Um, like how it's what all we've of got. these things, yeah, it's what we got. Like how it all fits together in the ecosystem with all of the different platforms and considering the different ways that it might appear depending on the device or where we think the person is in the world, that kind of thing. It's a very, very broad, um, and I almost think of it as almost almost technical on the back end. How are we thinking about the content and how it's organized and how we move it and how we and how we place it and you know that kind of stuff. When I think about things like content design, it's a lot about what you were saying in that I think and LinkedIn is the same. It's like the reason why we move to this terminology is because um, we do a lot of the same things that product designers do. You know, uh, up until the last five minutes when we, you know, that, and now we do the words. But, you know, we, we work with user research and, you know, we think about the audience and we think about their goals and we think about what they might be feeling along the way and how do we bring them along into the end. And then we get to the end of like, okay, and here's the best way to express these things in words. So I think that's why we moved to content design. 
Um, I think um, when we were using the term UX writing, and I will share that we were called UX writing when I joined LinkedIn, and I pushed back a little bit on that. I'm like, well, but that's not quite what I'm doing. You know, UX writing to me is the act of understanding the best words to use in a specific situation. So when I think about, you know, buttons, you know, UX writing to me is, okay, what what is the best label to put on this button? What is the best microcopy to just drive, drive this experience right now and get them what they need? When I think of content design, I think more around the idea of like, well, do we need a button? Should it be here? Is there a better way to to present this experience to them? And I know a lot of people want to use these terms interchangeably. And honestly, I'm the kind of person that like somebody calls me a copywriter in a meeting. I'm like, you know, I, I may bristle a bit, but I'm not going to write them an email and go, hey, I'm not a copywriter. Thank you very much, my content designer. But I think it's more about the labels, you know, help us think about our work and how we're presenting it. But I don't think it has to be necessarily everything. You know, I I find that for better or worse, we do end up talking about terminology and nomenclature and labeling and job titles and things yeah. on the podcast, probably more often than some people might like. However, <laughs> I always state that I think it is important to discuss because I think that the evolution of the terminology, it can be very specifically mapped to the value of the work and the understanding of the work through the years and not just our understanding of it, but the organization's understanding of it, of our managers and their managers. And if they're even yeah. paying attention, executive yeah. leadership. Well, yeah. And that, yeah. And that another thing that I have found is that like, kind of no matter what you call yourself, you know, ultimately that's not, not necessarily going to be the thing that shapes perception. That's exactly um, right. That's yeah, exactly right. Right, right. And so, I mean, I agree with you. I consider UX writing to be an activity that lives within the practice of yeah. content design. Like that, yeah. that is my strong opinion. And, but I'm not going to point fingers and just be like, oh, you shouldn't be calling those people UX writers. Right. And, and, you know, I think that especially, well, what I have seen play out in recent client engagements is that it's still, it, you know, people are like, we don't, do we do more than just the words? Well, guess what? Yeah. Everybody in the organization sees, oh, it's just the, the words. words. Like there's right. all kinds of invisible <laughs> stuff happening behind the scenes, right. you know, right. and that when, when we come to, you know, directors or the people who are, who are responsible for allocating budget and approving headcount and, you know, participating in reorgs and things mm-hmm. like that. And we say, I want to talk about content. They're just like, I, yo, I don't care about content. Like I care about outcomes. I care about KPIs. I care about OKRs. I care about resource allocation. I care about, I care about what my boss is putting pressure on me to do. Right. Right. And so, and so I want to talk a little bit then this sort of like, this sort of shifts the conversation then into your, uh, into sort of what you said in your bio that you are spending time thinking about um, exploring what it means to be a leader, because what it means when people lead, oftentimes what they think is leading a team, right? Mm -hmm. But there's so Mm -hmm. much more to leadership 
in terms of, especially, especially when you are working to shape perception around the work that your team is doing and to not just advocate, but actually identify ways in which to demonstrate and spread the word about value. So can, I wonder if you could talk a little bit then about how, what that process for you is like, how's that journey going? What are your secrets, Terry? What are your secrets (laughs) to success? Because I know you've got it all figured out. You fixed everything and you're living in Nirvana. (laughs) What you can't, are you laughing? I'm I'm, I'm crying. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's so, I, I like, for whatever reason, like this weekend in particular, I've been taking all sorts of notes, just thinking about, you know, really even on, on different levels, what individuals can do to help the perception of what it is that we do and and the value that we bring. And <laughs> again, nerd, I was looking at our at our CPPs and like I'm looking at my notes. Sorry, what's that? Right? What is that? Yeah, I'm sorry. Um yeah, <laughs> career path profile. It's it's basically a description of the expectation of each level and you know what you're expected to do at your level. And I was like kind of rewriting them in my head. I'm like, this doesn't show up the way that I, I want it to. So when I think about the individuals and the, and the value that they bring, it's so much around initiative. It's so much around ownership and what they can control. So if you are showing up and somebody puts something in front of you and says, write the words for this this experience. How are you showing up for more junior roles? That's fine. That's what you're learning to do. But as you move up the the career path, what we're looking for is like, okay, that's great. I can absolutely write the words, but what if we tried this? Have we thought about approaching it this way? Or you know what? I've done some research or I've worked directly with research. I was really curious about this thing. And so we did some work together and we found this out. Why don't we, why don't we add this in, into the mix? And what you said about the, the invisible work, that, that really hits home for me. Because in some ways, we do have a little bit of a harder time than product design because their work is extremely visible. You can see before and after of of product design work and they're like, oh, wow, okay, I can clearly see the difference. The work that we do, the visible work that we do is very often so subtle that we really have to point out what we've done to, to really make that difference. So when I talk to people that are looking for content design work, or, you know, when we were interviewing for roles and, you know, I would do sessions with them before they, they came into a, um, to a presentation, what I really coach them on is like before and half afters are great, but what we really want to see, what I want to see is how you thought through this information You know, show me all of that invisible work that you've done in the background. Show me how you think about design. Um, you know, show us how you work through a problem and maybe it didn't work, but then what did you do after that? You got stuck and then now what? Where do you go from there? And what I'm really trying to work on with, with my team is that in everything that they do, we're in, we're in review season right now, so this is kind of foremost on my mind, is to really do the citation needed. 
So when they say, I did a thing, you know, I want to hear great. And, and now what, what, what did that do? If somebody says, I took a class, my response is great. What did you learn? What kind of, what kind of difference did that make on your team? What kind of problems were you able to solve with that? And it's, and it's a really, really hard shift for content design because we don't often put together portfolios. We don't often think about our work in that way, right? Like, in, in, and again, in the same way that product designers do, product designers very often have a portfolio that they might have put together in school as a part of their final project. Content designers, if there is a course <laughs> in college for content design, you know, that's, that's not a thing. So it's very much it's very much a shift in thinking about how documenting and sharing your work is a part of what you do. And I think the perception is that it, it is outside of the work and it's extra work and therefore for burdens. So helping my team and helping, you know, other people outside my team. I do a lot of conversations with people looking to get into this. It's, it's definitely a shift and it's, and it's hard a lot of the times. So let me ask you this. That is all outstanding insight and direction, especially around when people are working to sort of better. It, it, it is more of like that show and tell versus just. The yeah. Show. Right. Yeah. Like we yeah. can all put together decks on why content design matters. We can write 18,000 billion posts online yeah. about why content design matters. Right. But like not a single person on our product teams or product managers cares. They just don't care why it matters. No. They want to see. They no. want to see. So let me ask you this. Even above that. Above product managers, when we're talking about, when we're starting to talk about reorg beyond just within our teams, right? Yeah. And and it's difficult to be brought into those conversations. It's difficult. I mean, I tell people all the time, executive leadership, don't ever say the word content to them because they do not care. <laughs> like they do, unless they're a CMO, they might want to talk to you about content marketing. This, you know, CDO, CTO, they don't want to hear content. They want to hear tech they want to hear design. They want to hear, you know, product. They want to hear roadmap, but they don't mm -hmm. like content is just, it is in fact, just the words. And a lot of mm -hmm. what I run into is we can walk in at brain traffic as consultants. And when we do have the opportunity to present at the VP or the executive level, we run into, well, why isn't this already happening? Like I spent all this money. <laughs> I've, I've hired all yeah. these people I'm seeing that there are content designers. Like why, if you're telling me that this has got to be the end game in terms of how things are supposed to be working, why isn't it already happening? And so I think that needing to be able to identify sort of obstacles in terms of not just like the symptoms and what's going wrong, but like mm -hmm. the obstacles to actually starting to improve and fix is such a critical component for leaders. I mean, it's change management, right? And Absolutely, so, it is. And I thought that that phrase was managing up. That's not what it means. That's not what managing up means. Managing up means making your boss's life easier. That's not what I'm talking mm -hmm. about. I'm talking about influence beyond your boss, beyond your boss's boss. Talk to me a little bit about your ideas and experience around 
working for sort of larger organizational change, even just beyond trying to help people understand the value of your day-to-day activities. Yeah, it's really interesting. I was having a conversation with a, with another manager, and this was probably a, a, a couple of years ago. And this was when I was, you know, kind of, <laughs> I was in the moment shaking my fist at, at, at clouds and and say you know but i see other people at other organizations having access and they're like and he was like yeah but you're talking about the organizations that you've named have 2000 employees you know so i mean just they have better access one of the things that i've been i've been thinking about is is getting you know the importance of getting into the room um and sometimes you don't have access to the room that you need to be in so the idea is, okay, I can't control that. But what I can control is I understand what the company priorities are. You know, they've, they've made it very clear what the company priorities are. And I can control how my team is organized. And I can control how, how the work is distributed. And I made a shift on my team um, a few months ago. I kind of saw what was happening in terms of the pace that we were moving and the kind of projects that we were doing and, and that we weren't aligned in the way that we should be to make the best impact that we could. So I reorganized my team to get us to the projects where I understood were going to have the most impact. And because I did that, my team was now in the room with the people that were making the decisions. So rather than me trying to break down a door and get into a room so that I can, I could say my thing and I could, you know, say, this is why content design matters. I kind of went, okay, I see how this is going right now. That's fine. And then put my team into the room and I'm, starting to see how the perception is changing right now. Um, We have a very small team. And so sometimes I have to move people around. And (laughs) I did that one day. um, And I'm I'm getting calls like, we need a content designer on this. Why did you move this person? (laughs) We need a content designer. I'm like, okay, I hear you. Let me see what I can do. Let me find you a find you a resource. And it became less about me having access and more about making sure that my team was positioned where they needed to be in in order to make that happen. And I can see it starting now. I can see the wheels turning. I can see their work showing up in more and more reviews. I can see them being called out more. And honestly, my team is happier now than they than they were before, because they're working on deep, meaningful things that are showcasing their, their skills. So I think that if you're finding it difficult to get the audience that that you need, you know, think about the way that your team is organized, you know, look ahead a little bit to see what matters to them. And are there ways that you can make your team contribute to what matters to them. Well, and also to circle back to where you started, being able to connect the dots between what matters to your team right. and what matter what the organization has stated matters in terms of business performance. That's exactly how right. to make those connections. That's because exactly I think right. That that's what I see sort of falling apart on a lot of teams where teams will become very emotional, like I don't see that my work matters. Yeah. I, you know, I don't see that I'm being heard. I don't, yeah. I don't feel like 
I'm being called into these meetings, you know, and asking the manager, like, why can't you fix this? Why can't you fix this? And to be fair, I think in a lot of organizations, managers are like, I would love to be able to put you on work that matters, except that nobody can tell me clearly what that is. Because there are so many organizations where leadership is just sort of like scrambling or you're getting, you know, different mandates and different directives every two weeks. And that can be really tough. Yeah, I mean, they've been pretty clear (laughs) with us about what matters. So we're lucky in that way. But, you know, before that, it was very you know, fix this content, plug this hole, make this not suck. And we were just spread extremely thin. I mean, so it's, it's not all love and roses in that, you know, because uh, my team is very focused on, uh, you know, deeply focused, that means that other things don't get the attention. But at the same time, I think we are much better positioned to have a better understanding of our, our work and what it is that we do. And how, when we show up with a content design point of view, the product is better. The experiences are better. And I think they're a lot happier because of that. I, I absolutely agree. That's what I'm seeing play out as well. And I, um, I've just spent so much time, too, thinking about how in, in experience design and uh, content strategy, and even, you know, when we get into content management and content engineering, Mm -hmm. that if people can have some sort of baseline understanding of when I do this thing, not only here's how this is benefiting the user, here's how Mm -hmm. this is benefiting overall product or website or process or whatever quality, but here's also why it matters to the organization's priorities. And I just think that once that connection can be made and that it's just a lot of stuff really starts falling into place. I think team morale improves. I think that leaders, once they understand the connection, are in a better place to have, you know, to kind of develop that story, develop those mantras and start to kind of like spread the word. I mean, I just, it just is really kind of, I think I'm just seeing leaders within content design and content strategy really begin to mature at a relatively rapid pace in terms of how they're presenting the case beyond, let me talk to you directly about why this work is important and what it is. Right. Yeah. Because people don't care. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Don't no, care. Just, and I was just going to say that. I mean, it just feels like, you know, door to door sales, you knock on the door like, hey, yeah, that's right. Do you have a moment to talk about content design? No, like, nobody cares. No, no. And uh, yeah, no, nobody does. And, you know, but that nobody... doesn't mean that you can't do your job. It doesn't mean that it doesn't right. matter. It doesn't mean, right. you know, but it is like, if you, you can only say so many times, hey, this matters. Hey, let me in. Hey, let me do the work until you just become completely demoralized. And and I think that that is something that we're seeing throughout the field. And I and yeah. it was something that we saw in content, website content strategy so many years ago. Do you know? That I'm, I'm laughing because it's so true. It just, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm old and tired, but I I, I feel like I've, I've, I, been yelling that it, you know, it matters, you know, for years and years and years and years. And I'm, you know, my throat's sore and I'm tired. And I just, I just want, I want to do the work. I want to show the work. I want to have, you know, I want to have a team that feels fulfilled and, and feels like they're doing their, their best work. 
and that you know they are working in places that make a difference and and it and the work matters and then for people to see that and want more of that that's what i want well and i think that that's what we can have and i think that the way to do it is what you're describing which is to yeah. figure out what the people you know, that your manager, your manager's manager, manager's management, like what do they care about? Right. Because whatever they care about, 99% of the time, you can tie the work that you're doing to whatever they care about. And the trick is to talk to them about what they care about. Not because we care about the work, we care about language, we care about findability, we care about accessibility and inclusivity. They don't care about any of that. They don't care about how, how, no. So how do we... (laughs) But then, but then again, it's a whole other process of having a million conversations until you can get to the person that's like, yes, I sit in the room with this person yep. and I, they are right on this all the time. And then yep. you begin to shape the story. Yep. Yeah. And I, and I just really feel like it's, it's all about placing your team in the right places so that they can do that work. And then when it's seen, and I'm experiencing that right now. Um, yes, you know, my exactly. team is being seen that in, in a way that, you know, and that hasn't before I've been at LinkedIn for five years. The last six months, I feel like have been pivotal for my team um, for a lot of reasons. But I'm just going to go ahead and take credit for putting them in the places where they can do, you know, really do their best work in a way that matters. Um, once that happens, then you, content design leader, are much better positioned to get in that room and have that conversation. So good. It's so, it's so good. And I, uh, I'll just share with listeners that Carrie and I were <laughs> together in March of this year doing a, a business retreat and also potentially being at Disney world. And, what? um, and, and well, but at the time you were kind of banging your head against the wall, just like, I can't, I you know, I can only, I can only tell this story so many times. And the yeah. fact that you have come from, you know, I mean, yes, you're tired now, but you are really just like, no, I've been, I have shown the decks. I have made the rounds. I have advocated for my team. I have coached my team and I don't know where to go from here. And shortly thereafter, you really came to, I need to reorg my team so that they can, they can contribute to the work that, that is meaningful to the organization um, and get them in the room. And that is, that was key. It it really, it really was. Yeah. It really was. And it, and I feel like if you, again, content design leader or IC, feel like you're banging your head up against the wall and screaming and, and yelling it, and it's not working, then perhaps consider something else other than, than that. Like what, what aren't you doing, you know, or what, what creative ways can you think of? And I will share with you that, you know, reorging um, my team to where they are. And I was not my vision. That is not how I wanted my team organized. And I held on to that. Like, nope, that's not how it should be done. That is not the right way. That is not what I wanted to do until I got to a point where I said, this is not working. Let's try something else. And I, and I think, I think that step is important. The, the letting go and taking a step back and, and looking at other ways you might do something. And I, and again, 
I feel like that's working for, for my team right now. I don't know what that will look like in, in six months, but for right now, this is this was definitely the right decision. Well, and that speaks to a strength of a leader as well, which is to be able to step back and say, the thing that I want, the thing that I yeah. already advocated for, the thing that right. I got and promised could work is not right. working. And right. now yeah. I need to go back hat in hand and try something differently. That is that is a real strength in leadership. So good on you, Carrie Miley. I did it. Yay. <laughs> you do. It's great. Hey, you're just about out of time. I wonder if you could yeah. tell our listeners what it is that you're going to be doing on October 16th and 17th this year. Am I doing button? I'm doing a button. Yeah, you're doing a button. But what special thing are you doing at Button, the content? I am I am hosting the leadership portion of of Button. And it's and it's two days of leadership conversation. So the conversation, Christina, that you and I are having right now, you know, we can have that conversation at Button. So yeah, let's let's do that. No. I have other conversations lined up. We can just play. People oh. can listen to this during their downtime. Oh, That's no, I meant the people. Yeah. So leadership, you leader who's, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm talking to, I'm talking directly to the listener and not just. You're talking to me? I was like, no, I nobody wants it, to listen no, to me. Just, and not a single person wants to listen to me talk about this. I just made it awkward. <laughs> I was trying to be clever and it didn't work. Yeah. You, our listening audience can have these conversations. Yeah. It's going to be amazing. We're capping it at like 50 people. Yeah. And it's going to be a lot more of like a peer-to-peer working session and you're going to host and yeah. um, it's going to literally be like half talks and and like co-interviewees and then half live Q&A and it's yeah. going to be just terrific. Um, I, You know, another thing that I want to just plug about Button, because we are talking about the importance of being able to help people understand and see the work up close, is that bring your product managers Bring your designers, bring your engineers. So we have an intro to content design. We got it all. There, I did it. You know what? I didn't even actively, I know this is hard to believe. I did not even mean to actively plug the button at the end of this podcast. And yet here we are. Um, Carrie? Yeah. Can you explain about your bald Pomeranian before we leave, please? (laughs) So I have a Pomeranian. His name is Ferris. He is 12 now. He's actually, oh, he's in the room. Uh, He's 12 now, but at about two years old, he used to have the most glorious coat. And about two years old, he started losing his hair. And it turns out it's, it's kind of a Pomeranian trait sometimes that they just, they go bald. So he has his face and his feet. Um, and then inexplicably, he started, you know, just spontaneously growing hair out of his sides, like in the last six months. But otherwise, he looks like, he looks like a plucked chicken. <laughs> So he has he has a he has a great wardrobe. Uh, he's adorable, but yeah, he is um, he is a sight to behold when he's not in his little outfits. I think we're gonna have to we're gonna have to a little bit have a little bit of a Ferris gallery on the episode I, page. So not safe for work. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. It's cute. All right, Carrie, this yeah. has been delightful as always. I'm so lucky that I can just like call you anytime and have these conversations with you but I am really grateful that you agreed to actually let me record one of them so thank you so much and thank you to our listeners for joining us and uh yeah all right 
All right. Listeners, friends, we'll see you next time. Thanks so much for joining me for this week's episode of the Content Strategy Podcast. Our podcast is brought to you by Brain Traffic, a content strategy services and events company. It's produced by Robert Mills with editing from Bear Value. Our transcripts are from Rev.com. You can find all kinds of episodes at contentstrategy.com. And you can learn more about Brain Traffic at braintraffic.com. See you soon.